0: Happy Monday, everyone. I hope you had a good weekend. I certainly had a good weekend. But I'm not sure any of us had quite so good a weekend as Joe Biden, who spent it in a tuxedo, yucking it up with the liberal elite at the White House Correspondents Association dinner hosted by Trevor Noah. Take a listen to one joke in particular that really cracked old Joe up. I think ever since you've come into office, things are really looking up. You know, gas is up, rent is up,
1: food is up, everything. No, it really has been a tough first year for you, Mr. President.
0: Oh, man, Joe sure got a kick out of that one. Leans back in his chair, claps his hands. You see, the joke is everything's really expensive now. Isn't that funny? A lot of people are struggling to fill up their gas tanks and heat their homes. They, you know, I'm sorry, it's hard to get. It's really hard for some people to buy groceries and feed their families. That's what's that's just so funny. Now, it's obviously it's not hard for Joe Biden to fill up his gas tank or to buy groceries to feed his family. But he's got millions of dollars, which is kind of weird because he spent his whole career in government. But he's a multi-multi-millionaire. That's why he can laugh. Okay, and, so, and that's why the people in the room, the White House Correspondents Association, they can laugh. They're not, no one's really hurting there. That was a relatively spicy joke from Trevor Noah. Good on him for making it, I guess. But the, the rest of the night was just softballs. It, it, even with the inflation joke, the crowd was not laughing at Joe Biden. They were laughing with Joe Biden. You remember that distinction? Don't worry, Sonny, they're not laughing at you, they're laughing with you. Well, that's what, they were laughing with Joe Biden. It was just a little good-natured ribbing between friends and teammates. Same goes for Biden. Joe Biden wasn't laughing at the White House correspondents. He was laughing with them too. They were all laughing with each other because the only people they were laughing at were us. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment Friday is from Shaw of the Shinebox, who says, Maxine Waters tests positive for COVID. I kind of feel bad for COVID. I agree. That is sad. I'm glad, I'm glad Maxine Waters is doing fine. We wish her a full recovery. And frankly, we, I guess we got to wish the best for COVID too. I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy that they would catch Maxine Waters. That would be absolutely terrible. We, we've got to look out for each other and for ourselves. When you want to do things yourself, especially in your car, I'd recommend you check out rockauto.com. Right now, go to rockauto.com and type in Knowles in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Okay. There are a lot of stores that they would just want to sell everything. And so they push products that they don't know anything about you You don't want that folks, all right. You want to shop at places where the stores know what they're doing, where they've got expertise, where they've been serving customers, for instance, online for twenty years, like rock Auto, where it's a family business that knows the product, knows what you need, will allow you to easily navigate this huge selection of parts for your car or truck, whether it's some vintage car, whether it's your daily driver, whether you're a pro, whether you're a do it yourselfer. Say same prices for everybody. No gimmicks, no logging in at two in the morning on Tuesday because then you'll get the 10% off. No, just always reliably low prices from a company that you can trust that makes things really easy, that has supported this show from almost the very beginning. One of one of our earliest sponsors, we really appreciate them. You're going to love them too. Rockauto.com. Get the brake shocks, carpet, wipers, headlights, mirrors, mufflers, lug nuts, or any other part you need. Write Knowles in their head as you hear about us box so they know that we sent you to them. How should Biden have reacted to that inflation joke? That's what people are going to ask. They're going to say, oh, Michael, lighten up. Come on. What was he going to do? Yes, it's a bad look for a joke about record high inflation, record high gas prices, record high food prices, things that are really hurting a lot of Americans. It's a bad look for Biden to laugh at that. But what was he going to do? There's actually an answer to this. It's true. Had had Joe Biden frowned and grimaced and gotten really angry, uh, that wouldn't have worked. That would not have landed either. Had he pulled a Will Smith and gone up and smacked Trevor Noah in the face, that probably wouldn't have worked either. But likewise, he, he also shouldn't have just laughed and guffawed and bellied over and clapped his hands. That wasn't a good look either. What he could have done is is the sort of thing in a in a roast even or when someone tells an off color joke that you don't want to laugh at you don't want to assent to but you don't want to seem like a stick in the mud you kind of say mm, hey come on you know you put a little a little bit of a smile on your face but you say that's too far hey come on buddy put your finger out there A younger Joe Biden would have gotten this. The reason I'm even focusing on his reaction here is not because it shows Joe Biden to be some evil kind of genius or any kind of genius. He's certainly never been that. It's to show you how much he's lost of his old political instinct. Joe Biden, of 20 years ago, 10 years ago, even five years ago, would never have made that mistake. That clip of him laughing at inflation and laughing at gas prices going up and laughing at his terrible economy, that's going to be in every Republican campaign ad from now until November. Okay, that is going to be plastered across the airwaves. It was a political misstep. Joe Biden, when he had his marbles, or at least some of his marbles, he wouldn't have fallen into that trap. He would have had a much better political gut. But he he's lost that. We played a clip last last week on the show. Uh, Now Joe Biden blames his senility, his obvious senility, on the reemergence of a childhood stutter. Well, look at a clip of him 5, 10, 20 years ago. He didn't have that stutter. I'm not saying he was a Rhodes Scholar, but the fella could speak. He knew how to read a political scene. He knew how to read a room and slap a back and smile. That, That was his political skill. He didn't have that. It was really ugly. It did not look good at the White House Correspondents Dinner. Biden then gets up and reads his jokes himself. The presidents generally do pretty well at the White House Correspondents Association Dinner because they hire Hollywood comedy writers to write all the jokes for them. So Biden gets up and his his sharpest joke of the night was a joke about the difference between the modern Republican Party and the party of Ronald Reagan.
1: But I'm not worried about the midterms. I'm not worried about them. We may end up with more partisan gridlock, but I'm confident we can work it out during my remaining six years in the presidency. I'm not really here to roast the GOP. That's not my style. Besides, there's nothing I can say about the GOP that Kevin McCarthy hasn't already put on tape. At the same, at the same time, a lot of people say the Republican Party is too extreme, too divisive, too controlled by one person. They say that's not your father's Republican Party. Ronald Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear this wall down. Today's Republicans say, tear down Mickey Mouse's house. And pretty soon they'll be storming Cinderella's castle, you can be sure of it. Well, Republicans <laughs> seem to support one fellow,
0: some guy named Brandon. He's having a really good year, and I'm kind of happy for him. Delivery is not what it once was, not exactly Don Rickles up there, but you get the joke. The joke, and he didn't even get the line right, by the way. It's probably four of the most famous words in American history, tear down this wall. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And Biden couldn't even remember that, though he was in the United States Senate at the time. But he says, okay, the, the old GOP said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear this wall down. And the modern GOP says, tear down Cinderella's castle. Ha, 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 ha. But even that joke underscores a big political weakness for Democrats right now. Yes, during the Cold War, the conservatives were unified, focusing on problems overseas because you had a threat from the Soviet Union. You had the threat of the Cold War. Once the Berlin Wall fell down, then there was a Cold War that was being waged not around the globe, but a cold cultural war that was being raged at home. That, that has become hot on many occasions. Why is it that modern day Republicans are saying, Mr. Disney, tear down Cinderella's castle, because the Walt Disney Corporation is trying to trans little kids. It's not just Disney that's supporting this. It's pretty much every woke corporation and its teachers all the way down to kindergarten and preschool who are now insistent with the support of elected Democrats, up to and including Joe Biden, up to and including all of the White House agencies, saying it is essential healthcare. It is It is so important for five-year-olds to be put on puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, potentially have their bodies mutilated if little boys think they're little girls. That's that's the joke. These modern Republicans, (laughs) they don't even think we should chop off five-year-olds' genitals. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And the White House Correspondents Association, they're all laughing because they're all pro mutilate little kids' bodies. They're all pro put little boys on cross-sex hormones and little girls on testosterone. They're all in favor of that, and they don't realize how completely out of touch they are with the rest of America, not just with Republicans, not just with conservatives, but with parents everywhere all around the country. They don't even get it. If you want to be able to tell jokes, you need to have some connection to the common sense. You need need the things that you're saying to resonate with people, ordinary common people, not just whacked out liberals who think that it's a good idea to transgender five-year-olds. And they have lost that common sense. And this is not my own wish casting. This is not my own ideological view of things. I'm just, one, looking at common sense, two, looking at tradition, and three, looking at the poll numbers. There's a Marist poll that just came out of voting preferences among parents of kids under 18. So when you, this is a poll of 1,300 national registered voters that just took place a couple of weeks ago. When you look at just voters who have children under the age of 18, they are twice as likely to vote for Republicans as for Democrats. That So please, Joe, keep telling that joke, bring it on. Because the joke ultimately is going to be on you. It's going to be on the Democrats. It's going to be on the White House Correspondents Association and Biden and big tech and the media and the whole thing. It's just all the liberal blob. Now, maybe they rigged the election. I don't know. It wouldn't, wouldn't be the first time, but absent some true shenanigans, absent some suspension of the ordinary election rules and getting rid of the poll watchers and changing the, violating the state constitution in certain places, absent that kind of active rigging of the election. Right now, if you look at the poll numbers and you look at the way that the Democrats are campaigning, including in their jokes, including all the way up to Joe Biden, the Democrats are in for a tsunami come November. On all of these issues, on the, on the economy, on immigration, on education, and especially on life, which is why you got to check out 40 Days for Life. Go to 40daysforlife.com, 40daysforlife.com. Abortion is always a really, really big issue in our politics. And it's a very important issue, of course, if you want to defend life. But it's about to become even more urgent because the Supreme Court is going to come out with its decision in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, and, and this is going to decide whether or not to overturn Roe versus Wade. You need the arguments, okay? You need to know what this is about, how to respond to people when they bring up this issue. Well, 40 Days for Life has the number two Amazon Christian bestseller, What to Say When, the complete new guide to discussing abortion, How to change minds and convert hearts in a brave new world. These guys are based in Texas, one of the largest pro-life grassroots organizations in the world. They've got a million volunteers in 1,000 cities holding peaceful 40-day vigils outside of abortion mills to save lives and help abortion workers leave those jobs. Get the book, What to Say When Today. Covers the old arguments, covers the new arguments. Get it and check out 40daysforlife.com to help end abortion wherever you live. Biden then rounded out his White House Correspondents Association appearance by making a joke about the vaccine and making a joke specifically about Fox News. For the Democrats, Fox News has been the main target for a long time. I think probably the media landscape has changed a lot. So among conservatives, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say, as you might have 20, 20 or 25 years ago, that Fox News is the only or even the main conservative outlet there in the culture. That was true when we were a television culture, but we're now 20 years, more than 20 years into the internet age. So that, I think that's changed pretty significantly. Joe Biden, though, obviously is not the most up-to-date fella on the planet. So he makes this joke about Fox News, and it was a really ugly joke about Fox News. He said, ha, 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 everyone in this room is vaxxed tonight including and especially those Fox News people who had to take it.
1: I know there are questions about whether we should gather here tonight because of COVID. Well, we're here to show the country that we're getting through this pandemic. Plus, everyone had to prove they're fully vaccinated and boosted. So if you're at home watching this and you're wondering how to do that, just contact your favorite Fox News reporter. They're all here vaccinated and boosted. All of them.
0: So the joke you see is that these people, these pro- maybe conservatives, it's, you know, Fox News actually employs a lot of liberals too, but it's certainly the most conservative of the main TV channels. Fox News reporters who maybe didn't want to get the vaccine had to get the vaccine because Joe Biden made him made them do it. And then Joe Biden's administration made them do it. And then some corporate leaders made them do it too. Ha ha, that's the joke. You didn't want to get this experimental drug that doesn't do the very things that that we were told by Joe Biden in particular that they would do. Yeah, you didn't want to get that injected into you to protect you against a virus that poses pretty much an infinitesimally small threat to you. Well, ha ha, joke's on you. I'm making you do it. I made you inject yourself with an experimental drug. Ha <laughs> That's the, that's the joke. That's the joke is I violated your rights and made you inject yourself with something that probably isn't going to do you a whole lot of good and might do you a little bit of harm, actually. That, that's the joke. That's called an abuse of power. How evil is that? I, by the way, you know, I'm not even against vaccine mandates generally, but we're not talking about the black death here, folks. We're not talking about a virus that poses a great risk to lots and lots of people. And we're not talking about an ordinary vaccine. We're not talking about a vaccine that will even do the basic thing that a vaccine is supposed to do, which is to prevent you from contracting or transmitting a virus, the very thing that Biden, Walensky, and Fauci told us the vaccine would do before they admitted that the vaccines won't do that. How evil is that? <laughs> and then to mock someone and say, ha ha, I made you take the shot, ha ha ha. Especially ironic, because just last week, Joe Biden was waxing philosophic about how he thinks that the greatest sin imaginable is the abuse of power.
1: When we were talking about on the way over, what got me involved in politics? I got into politics, involved in politics because I think the greatest sin that anyone can commit is the abuse of power. Whatever that power is, the power of a teacher, the power of a, a doctor, the power of a leader. When someone who is relying on you or you cannot, just the abuse of
0: power. That's the, it's the abuse of power. Unless I'm abusing power against my political enemies, then it's great. Then I love it. Funny too, that Biden says that the issue that got me into politics was the abuse of power. The week before that, the one week before Joe Biden said that, he told a different story. And he said that the issue that got him into politics was the environment. Before Joe Biden did that, he said that the issue that got him into politics was civil rights. Before Joe Biden said that, he said the issue that got him into politics was voting rights. Now, in Joe Biden's defense, he probably doesn't remember either what he's been saying or what issue got him into politics. But he also doesn't care. He doesn't care. He'll just lie. He'll just say anything. He'll smack backs. He is such a fluent liar. He's such a practiced liar that I'm not sure that he can tell the difference between lies and truth anymore. And and now he says, it's the, the abuse of power. That's the thing. Joe Biden, who we also mentioned last week, has an unexplained $5 million, more than $5 million in his bank account. There, There is a discrepancy on his financial disclosures. He hasn't explained how he got that money. Hunter Biden's laptop might explain how he got that money because Hunter Biden was peddling Joe's influence overseas in Ukraine and China, among other places, to get sweetheart deals from crooked oligarchs who would then try to buy his father's influence, his father, who was then the vice president of the United States. Now the president selling America's interests down the river. But the worst sin imaginable is the abuse of power. So he says, speaking of power, it must be a chilly day in hell. It's a temperate day here in Nashville, Tennessee, in many other parts of the country, but in hell it's got to be a very chilly day because the most prominent leftist intellectual of perhaps the last 50 years, Noam Chomsky, was asked a question about foreign relations, in particular the war in Ukraine. And Noam Chomsky said that there is one statesman above all the others who deserves credit and, and praise and, and uh, well, that we should copy this statesman and hear what he has to say and actually put it into effect. This is Noam Chomsky, as left-wing as they come, saying that that statesman is Donald J. Trump.
1: Well, there is fortunately one statesman in the United States and Europe who has laid out a person of a high political figure who has made a very sensible statement about how you can solve the crisis, namely by facilitating negotiations instead of undermining them and uh, moving towards establishing some kind of accommodation in Europe Maybe along the, uh, in which there are no military alliances, but just mutual accommodation. He didn't mention all of this, but he suggested something similar: move towards negotiations and diplomacy instead of escalating the war. Uh, Try to see if you can bring about an accommodation, uh, which would be roughly along these lines. Uh, his name is Donald J. Trump.
0: Donald J. Trump, you never thought you would hear it. Noam Chomsky, a virulent critic of Trump and of conservatives since, what, the 1950s? As you can hear from his voice, and if you're watching this, as you can see, Noam Chomsky is now about 175 years old. (laughs) He is father time now, but he remains as sharp as he ever was. Chomsky's wrong about a, a billion things, especially when it comes to politics, but no one's ever accused him of being dumb. He's one of the most intelligent people in the country. And I mention this not to say that what Trump is doing on Ukraine and Russia is even correct. It's sort of outside of the issue of Ukraine and Russia. The reason I bring this up is to underscore something that we have seen go on for six years now, namely a realignment of the political parties. When I was a kid, Republicans were the party of pro war, Democrats were the party of anti war. Today, that has shifted. When I was a kid, Republicans were the party of spread American liberal imperialism around the world. Democrats were the party of, no, just focus on things at home. Today, that has shifted. When I was a kid, Republicans were the party of big mega corporations. Democrats were the party against those big corporations and for keeping things small and at home and focused on workers. Today, that has completely flipped. When I was a kid, Republicans were the party of outsourcing American jobs. Democrats were the party of workers' rights. Today, that has completely flipped. The list goes on and on and on. This is a real realignment. This is a real opportunity for Republicans to make big gains here. And it it hinges on one other big difference, by the way. When I was a kid, Republicans were the party of never wielding political power. So the people elect Republicans and then Republicans don't do very much. They would sometimes explicitly run on the slogan of elect me and I won't do anything. Yuck, yuck, yuck. We need the government to be so small it fits in your pocket. And Democrats were the party of a big government. Now we don't want small government or big government. At least I don't. We want limited government and we want an energetic government within the legitimate bounds of that government. Today, Republicans are starting to get this. Republicans, notably Ron DeSantis in Florida, recognizes that when Republicans get elected. They need to do stuff. They need to go in. They need to change the curricula in the schools. They need to go in. They need to wield government power when woke corporations are undermining the will of Florida voters. They need to go in. They need to use the government power to oppose federal mandates. They need to go in and do stuff with the political power that people give them within legitimate boundaries. That's a big flip. That's all good news for Republicans if they can learn what time it is and and put those dirty, rotten swamp creatures in their place who don't want to actually do something. If they actually want to ascend and become major political players in the United States. I think we're doing it right now. I think we can look good doing it. The way we can look good doing it is when we wear Mizen and Maine. Right now, go to MizzenandMain.com. Use promo code Knowles. That's M-I-Z-Z-E-N and Main.com. You got to go there because their clothing not only feels great, but it looks great. Magnificent. I just had my beautiful mizzen and made polo out the other day. I was wearing it because, being of Italian extraction, I am known to perspire a little bit. Their, their clothing has all of the comfort of athletic wear. You're not going to be just swimming in sweat as the summer comes on you. Uh, but they look really, really great. They look really chic, really sophisticated, really put together. They're lightweight, breathable, moisture wicking. You're going to love it. They're machine washable, so you don't need to worry about going to the dry cleaner. And they just look good. So many modern clothing companies just look terrible and they turn people into just robots or something. I don't I, Mizzen and Main really understands style, giving you a little bit of flair this summer. Whether you're working from the golf course or finally taking advantage of that unlimited vacation policy, right now you've got to go to MizzenandMain.com. Use promo code Knowles. You get $35 off any regular price order of $125 or more. That's $35 off when you go to M-I-Z-Z-E-N-A-N-D-M-A-I-N.com. Promo code Knowles. You want to know how the United States got to this point two years after a ridiculous lockdown for a virus, the origins of which are a little bit dubious. And actually, it seems like the ruling class is not telling us everything about it. Well, you can find out answers to all those questions and many more in my series, Fauci Unmasked. All episodes are streaming now uh, the the series will tell you things that you have never heard before about this guy. They will show you clips of this guy that will go into depth, not just on what Fauci's done for the last two years, but all the way back to the 1980s. Things that the ruling establishment does not want you to find out about. Clips that I that I had played a year ago that I had seen that I couldn't even find when I went back to search for them. That is how much the liberals are trying to memory hole Fauci and his huge power grab. Don't let them do it. Check out the sneak peek. He's the highest paid employee in our federal government. And beginning in the spring of 2020, Dr. Fauci began to set national policy that affected the way that 330 million Americans lived their lives. For goodness sakes, I'm telling you, wear a mask, keep social distancing. There's nothing political about that. But who is Anthony Fauci? People who have conspiracy theories, those are people that don't particularly care for me. In this short series, We will do what the establishment media have refused to do. We will give you an unvarnished look at the career of the most powerful politician in America, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Don't you
1: think it's time that you step down and let someone else who has a more effective message?
0: (laughs) Actually, no. Actually, no, I don't think I should step down. Well, we think you should. The full series is available now exclusively for Daily Wire members. If you're not a member yet, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. For a limited time, members can use code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S for 20% off your membership. Go check it out. This is only for members. And when you use code Knowles. It will really irritate Ben. So that's the number one reason you should do it, and uh, the number two reason you'll save 20%. Do not miss it right now. DailyWire.com slash subscribe. Code Knowles. We'll be right back with a lot more. Speaking of Russia and Ukraine, really unsettling news has come out of there in the last four or five days. Russia is shutting off natural gas to Poland and Bulgaria. The reason that Russia is shutting off its gas to Poland and Bulgaria is because those countries are refusing to pay for the gas in rubles. Previously, before Joe Biden made a gigantic mess of the entire world, Previously, you would pay for gas and oil and things in dollars, in the U.S. dollar. And then Joe Biden literally invited Russia to invade Ukraine, and then they responded too late to that invasion by going after the Russian ruble and after the bank in Russia and after the Russian economy. Russia retaliated by saying, okay, if you want to buy our gas now, you've got you've to pay for it in rubles. And this is creating a very awkward situation for some of Russia's energy consumers, who don't want to help out Russia, but they're hooked on the gas and the oil. Why are they hooked on the gas and oil? Well, in part, you want to talk about Russian disinformation and propaganda. Russia has had a well-known, highly publicized uh, disinformation campaign to support left-wing environmentalist groups in recent decades to convince Europe and the United States and the West not to produce their own energy so that they're more hooked on Russian energy. This is not some crazy conspiracy theory. The Russians have been actually been pretty open about this campaign and it's worked. And so now Russia's got Europe and the US even and the West over a barrel. And there there, there are not going to be a whole lot of options for Poland, for Bulgaria, for Germany, perhaps for for other Western countries who need the oil, even the United States. We get what, about 10% of our imported oil from Russia. That's a big problem. So what do we do here? Well, this should be a reminder for those of you who hadn't noticed it before. I'm sure you have, but unfortunately, Biden and his lackeys have not noticed it. The only real deterrent is strength. That's the only deterrent. This is really simple stuff. Ronald Reagan put it very well. We're going to have peace through strength. And people misinterpret that statement in all sorts of ways. They think peace through strength means we need to send the American military all around the world to manage a global empire. That's not what peace through strength means, necessarily. Peace through strength is that we've got to go preemptively attack other countries. No, that's not what peace through strength is. It's really basic. We need to be strong. We're not going to pull a fast one on Vladimir Putin or on Xi Jinping or on the Ayatollah in Iran, or on anyone else, we're not going to pull a fast one and do a Jedi mind trick and convince them that we have far greater leverage in world affairs than we actually do. The, The strongest way to maintain your leverage around the world is to actually have leverage. This is always the funniest thing with Russian misinformation and disinformation. This was the liberal argument against the, the Hunter Biden laptop. They said, the, the Hunter Biden laptop, that's Russian disinformation. Then we find out that the, the laptop is totally legit, and it's actually got pictures of Hunter Biden. It's got his files, his letters, his spreadsheets. And what the, the, the liberals will still continue to argue is, well, yeah, it's all true, but it was released as part of Russian disinformation. In other words, they're saying, that they're saying something that is, in fact, true. The best propaganda happens to be the propaganda that's true. Do you remember a month or two ago, we were talking about the bio labs in Ukraine? And on this show, I put my Nostradamus hat on, got out my crystal ball, and I said, you know, the United States is funding and in part operating biological labs that are working on pretty dodgy biological materials from old Soviet era bioweapons laboratories Uh, we're we're working on those things in Ukraine and elsewhere in Eastern Europe. And what happened? The liberal establishment said, this is false. This is disinformation. This isn't true. This is crazy. This is coming from the Kremlin. You're all pro-Putin, Russian puppets. I said, no, I'm just telling the truth. This is actually happening. And finally, when it was uncovered that it was true, the Libs said, okay, well, yeah, it's true, but it's still Kremlin propaganda. And that's actually a good point. Yes, the most effective propaganda is the propaganda that happens to be true. Yes, you can't just you can't just say, well, such and such is propaganda. Ignore it, move along, nothing to see here. No, really sophisticated propaganda operations deal with things that are true. Okay, and so you're not going to get away. This ties back into the, the oil and gas here, because you're not going to get away with illusions and mirages and little parlor tricks. If if we want the United States to be strong around the world and not have to worry necessarily about what Russia's doing or what Iran's doing. If we want real strength around the world, there's one way to do it. Produce our own oil. Produce our own gas. Make our own energy. Then we will have real leverage. And we won't need to do this little song and dance that Biden's trying to do. That's obviously not working anywhere. That's why Trevor Noah makes the joke. Everything's looking up since you're president. Gas is looking up. Food is looking up. Ha, ha I guess it is, right? Ha, ha, ha. Well, Biden promised us that, that everything would be improving if he were elected president. International affairs, the economy, energy, list goes on and on. None of those things have improved because Biden's it, it, pr- pretty simple. Biden's policy is a policy of weakness on all of those. Weakness at the border, weakness on energy, weakness on the economy, weakness on foreign affairs, and weakness gives you really bad stuff. Speaking of problems overseas, this was a very distressing news story for me as someone of Italian and Sicilian heritage. Little babies in Italy will no longer be given their father's last name. The Italian Constitutional Court has dropped the convention for naming that has existed in Italy and every other civilized country for a very, very long time. Namely, when a baby is born, you know, as is true here, the baby is automatically given the father's last name. You can change it. You can go in and ask for a special exception, but the convention is you get your father's last name. Now, Italy's Constitutional Court has said that this is, quote, discriminatory discriminatory and harmful to the identity of the child. Uh, And that the, the court said children should be given both parents' last names in whichever order the parents decide, unless the parents agree to use just one. In other words, the babies in Italy will no longer simply have their father's last name. They will also have their mother's father's last name. Ha ha, take that patriarchy. Yeah, that you thought it was just daddy's world. Well, now it's also daddy-in-law's world. Yeah, that's a, so just on its face, this is a very silly change because it does nothing for feminism. It does nothing for women. It doesn't even do the thing that it says it's going to do, namely give the baby a woman's last name because the woman got her last name from a man. But what this is really about, is an attack on the integrity of the family. People sometimes write into the mailbag, they say, hey, Michael, I'm getting married. And should should I take my husband's last name? Or should I ask my wife to take my last name? Previously, you you wouldn't even get this question. This would just be common sense. Of course, I'm going to take my husband's last name. But now it's not so common. Now it's not really known whether or not you're going to do that. Of, Of course, you should do that. The reason you should do that is not only because of the silly father-in-law thing, but also because you are now in a family. When you get married, you are deciding that the groom is going to leave his family, and the bride is going to leave her family, and you're going to come together and create a new family. And that new family is going to be a discrete entity. And what God has joined, let no man separate. And that discrete entity needs to have cohesion. It needs to have coherence. That's why you all share the name. When, when in, in the older and I think proper convention, as, as I still write letters this way and I still receive letters this way, but I know it's not as common these days. If I'm writing to John and Jane Smith, I'll write to Mr. and Mrs. John Smith. When I receive letters, often it's to Mr. and Mrs. Michael Knowles. Is this because my wife has lost her first name? No, sweet little Lalesa still has her first name, but we are, we are one flesh. We are one family. We have a discrete identity now. And the reason that the Libs are pushing for this, obviously it's not to advance feminism. It doesn't advance feminism. All it does is break up the integrity of the family. And this is a problem for the left in particular because the left hates the family, but the right hasn't done a very good job defending the family. The left says that the basic unit of society is the individual and then we've got to collect all the individuals together in a collective, in a socialist program or a communist program or whatever, and that's how we're going to organize society. The right, until recently, for I would say from probably 1970 until about five or six years ago, the right would say the basic unit of society is the individual, they would say the same damn thing that the left would say. But they, instead of saying, then we all need to collectivize, they would say, no, we just need to remain individuals. So you get, you get the left saying we need individuals to a collective. The right says just remain individuals. They're two sides of the same coin. That's not really an alternative. It's a, it's a parlor trick. It's, it's a false dichotomy. The actual alternative view of society is that you've got the, the left and the hyper individualist right saying the basic units of, of politics is the individual. And then the actual conservatives would say, no, the basic unit of politics is the family. Ben has been talking about this. He's been, he's been great on this, especially in recent weeks, he's been talking about this, that the, the family is the fundamental, he says the fundamental economic unit. You can go even further. It's the fundamental political unit. So any way to drive division within the family, any way to try to redefine the family is an attack by the left and by complicit and naive and ignorant right-wingers on the right, on conservatism. Speaking of family, more bad news, sorry to tell you folks, even stateside. No one's really talking about this, but it's worrying. me. There is now evidence from the Supreme Court, if you're paying close attention to what the court is doing, that John Roberts, the chief justice, will not be writing the decision in the big abortion case that's coming before the court. Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health is the big case that could overturn Roe versus Wade, could overturn Planned Parenthood v. Casey, could get rid of the fictional constitutional right to an abortion that the court found in 1973. But there is evidence that the chief justice is not going to be writing the majority opinion there. Why? Because the chief justice wrote the opinion for the 6-3 majority in a different case, Cummings versus Premier Rehab Keller, which was a case uh, involving recovery of damages under Obamacare um, or the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. Uh, Court watchers, the people who are paying really, really close attention here, are saying that because Roberts already wrote two other majority opinions during the court's current term, he probably won't write the majority for the abortion case because that means that one of the justices on the court won't be writing any of the opinions, which would be uncommon. Now, what does all of that mean? Some people are saying, oh, this is a good thing. This means that maybe Clarence Thomas will write the majority if the the conservatives win on that case and if Roe v. Wade is overturned and if the the pro-lifers win. I I don't really see that. Because if, so if the conservatives are going to win, if the pro-lifers are going to win, if we're going to overturn Roe versus Wade, we know that Clarence Thomas is going to vote for it. We know that Sam Alito is going to vote for it. We think that Brett Kavanaugh is going to vote for it. We think that Amy Coney Barrett is going to vote for it. We think that Neil Gorsuch is going to vote for it. So there you go. That's five votes. And I would have assumed at that point John Roberts is going to side with the conservatives because either you're going to get a 5-4 decision or you're going to get a 6-3 decision. If it's a 6-3 decision, then very likely it would be John Roberts who's writing the, the opinion of the court. John Roberts would write the opinion of the court so that he can give a more moderate opinion a less expansive one, a less radical one. Otherwise, Clarence Thomas, who's the senior most judge, is going to be writing the opinion for the for the conservative side. I don't think John Roberts is going to allow Clarence Thomas to do that. So all of this is very in the weeds, and I am reading tea leaves a little bit here. I'm not making any firm predictions. I'm not putting on my Nostradamus hat, but it makes me worried. If Roberts is not writing the majority opinion in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, it makes me worried that maybe they're not going to uphold the Mississippi pro-life law. Maybe they're not going to overturn Roe versus Wade. I'm not saying anything definitively. I'm just saying I, I am now more worried about that case than I was two or three weeks ago. Speaking of the deaths of innocent people, really spooky news story just came out of CBS. Police found 150 skulls at a crime scene in Mexico. You say, well, not it's a a little excessive, but given the way the cartels operate in Mexico, I guess it's not totally surprising. Except it turns out the skulls are not recent. It's not because these cartels were shuffling drugs and people across the border. Turns out that the skulls were from over 1,000 years ago. The skulls were mostly of women and they were ritually decapitated by the Native Americans who inhabited inhabited Mexico over 1,000 years ago. Now, this is very strange because I went to school in the 1990s and 2000s. I was reliably informed according to the liberal curricula that were Prevalent at that time and remain prevalent today, that the Native Americans were all just living kumbaya like an Avatar and they were all just so peaceful and they used every part of the buffalo and everything was really great and it was just an Edenic wonderland until the evil white man got here. Those Spanish conquistadors who brought death and evil and destruction and violence to the New World and destroyed this paradise that was here. Well, hold on. What, what do you mean they were ritually decapitating 1,000 women at a clip? before the conquest. Are you telling me that possibly those native american tribes that the westerners civilized? Are you telling me that they were not they were not just uh, living in a total paradise and utopia? I think that might be what the news and reality is telling us. The way that history is taught these days is so stupid. <laughs> it's so contrary to reality and the people who get short shrift are the founding fathers for sure, and Christopher Columbus especially, and maybe even more than Columbus, the conquistadors. The way that the the Spanish explorers who made it to Latin America and conquered the the different uh, tribes and sort of civilizations there they get really short shrift. We are told that these are evil, awful people who had no business being here and no right to come in and take over those territories. And the poor beleaguered indigenous people deserve reparations from modern day Spaniards and everyone else. The, the reality of the pre, pre-Columbian, pre-Western civilizations in the Americas is very different. The Aztecs in particular, I'll just use the the Aztecs as one example. Conquered by Cortes, the Aztecs uh, at the consecration of Tenochtitlan ritually sacrificed over 80,000 people in the span of four days. Lots of women, lots of children ripped their beating hearts out of their chests and then kicked their bodies down the side of the pyramids. They were and it wasn't just the Aztecs, though they were probably the worst of them. They were some of the most evil societies that have ever existed on the face of the earth. The, the practices that they engaged in cried out to heaven, and the brave Western explorers who conquered them are some of the greatest heroes in history. Just at one site, 1,000 years ago, you had how many skulls? 150 skulls of, just, of these poor, innocent women who had their heads chopped off. And that's nothing compared to what the Aztecs were doing at Tenochtitlan and what, what other of these. So why is it being taught this way? It's being taught this way because there is no moral foundation for how to view history anymore. Or there, there's not a coherent moral foundation at least. What, if you walked into a history class in high school or even college right now, and you said, those conquistadors were great, go them. They were awesome. They should they should have slaughtered every single Aztec leader that they came across, and and they did slaughter a lot of them. Good good on them. You would be kicked out of class if you said that on social media. You might be kicked off of social media, and yet it's obviously true. It's it's like saying that a you know a good cowboy walked in and saw you know an evil gang raping women and killing people and committing all sorts of abuses, and then he went out and killed the bad guys, except on a much larger scale when we're talking about the aztecs and other civilizations, you know, pre-columbus in in the americas. but we're not allowed to say that cuz the westerners had no right to be here and we're not allowed to make any moral judgments and we have cultural relativism and who's to say, you know, one man's uh, ritualistic decapitation is another man's, uh, you know, sunday afternoon in the park. the only way that we are going th- th- this has bearing for politics because Yes, it matters with with regard to how we read and teach history, but what it really matters for how we live today. We have to make moral judgments. We have to make moral distinctions. We have to be able to say, no, the, the thing that this culture is doing is bad, and they should stop doing it. And, and maybe even more importantly, we need to be able to look at our civilization, which we have been now indoctrinated into viewing as just entirely and irredeemably evil for the past 50 years because of radicals who hate our civilization and want to destroy it. They've convinced us to hate our own civilization. Why? It's the greatest civilization in the history of the world. In many ways, it's the only civilization in the history of the world, certainly to reach the heights that ours has. That's a good thing. We need to recover our confidence not, it's, it's actually not enough to just say other people are doing things that are wrong. What that implies is that we are doing something that is right. And if we're doing something that is wrong, we need to be able to rectify that. But we, in, order to, in order to enact justice in our own country and around the world, we need to have some sense of the difference between good and bad, right and wrong. Speaking of Latin America, the uh, leader of Brazil just got into a little bit of a smackdown with Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio is trying to oust the, the president of Brazil. Bolsonaro. DiCaprio tweets out, quote, Brazil is home to the Amazon and other ecosystems critical to climate change. Uh, what happens there matters to us all, and youth voting is key in driving change for a healthy planet. For more on voter registration in Brazil before May 4th, visit blah, 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 dot whatever, dot com. Now, Bolsonaro comes out. Uh, this is the leader, Jair Bolsonaro. He says, thanks for your support, Leo. It's really important to have every Brazilian voting in the coming elections. Our people will decide if they want to keep our sovereignty on the Amazon or to be ruled by crooks who serve foreign special interests. Good job in the revenant. <laughs> a great response here. Because one, Leonardo DiCaprio is a huge hypocrite when it comes to climate change. Climate change, quote unquote, you know, the sun monster and everything. He flies around in private jets. He consumes a ton more energy than, than most other people and yet he has the gall and the audacity to lecture all the rest of us. But furthermore, furthermore, it it tells you something about the way politics works around the world and even here at home. When the Brazilian people elect Bolsonaro, we are told that's a threat to democracy. When some Hollywood elite who has absolutely no connection to Brazil flies in on his private jet and tells the Brazilian people that what they're doing is wrong and they need to do what he says instead. That's called pro-democracy. When the American people elect Donald Trump, that's a threat to democracy. When a handful of deep state crooks decide to try to overturn that election for four years, that's called pro-democracy. How is that? Because democracy, when the libs use that word, just means liberalism, just means progressivism, leftism, whatever you want to call it the ruling class. and when, so, so when people vote for them, by definition, that's pro-democracy. When the people vote against them, that is anti-democracy, even though it is in itself a democratic act. This is, this is how you can make sense of the White House Correspondents Association dinner. At the White House Correspondents Association, one of the big jokes that Joe Biden told us, he said, this is the first time in six years that a president's been here is Donald Trump wouldn't come here, and they all applauded him. Good job. You're showing up here. Right. He's showing up because that's his team. They're all on the same team. Donald Trump didn't show up there, not because he's thin-skinned and can't take a joke. He's taken a lot of jokes. He's a professional entertainer. He didn't show up there because he knew that was a rigged game. It was dumb for conservatives who oppose the ruling ideology to show up there? Because it's, it's just a farce. It's a joke. They're all on the same team. They're all on the same side. They all want exactly the same thing. They're all going to abuse their power to cover up for one another. Why show up there? When, when Biden is yucking it up with the White House Correspondents Association, it is the clearest demonstration we've had in a long time of the, the real two sides in American politics. And it's not Republican versus Democrat. And it's not just left versus right. It is a ruling class that enriches itself and ensconces itself in power versus the American people who are on the other side of that. And and it overlaps with the left and the right. It overlaps with Republican and Democrat. But there is a club. (laughs) There is a club, folks. And when Joe Biden's yucking it up, it's a reminder. You ain't in it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, the White House Correspondents Dinner features America's political elites mocking you. The Biden administration proposes their ministry of truth and the New York Times puts out a hit on Tucker Carlson. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen.